0: listening to another episode of the Freewheeling Podcast. I am Abby Mickey, your host, kind of, for today. Once again, we've switched things up a little bit, and Gracie Elvin is back to chat with Nettie Edmondson, who just announced her retirement from professional cycling, track, and road. Nettie Edmondson is a three-time world champ and Olympic bronze medalist. She's one of Australia's most beloved cyclists, and is known for speaking her mind. Gracie sat down and chatted with longtime friend Nettie about her retirement, her career, what's coming next. But before we dive into that conversation, this episode is brought to you by Zwift. Now, we have talked a ton about all of the road. Cycling related things that you can do with Zwift. But did you know that there's also running on Zwift? You can run with a fun global community throughout immersive worlds, train day or night, rain or shine from anywhere in the world on Zwift. There are running events on Zwift just like there are for road. There's the Zwift Academy try exercises. So there's the baseline run, is what's going on as I speak. There's Workout Wednesday, there's Zwift Duathlon League, there's the Garmin Never Stop series. So there's tons of activities that you can do on your feet on Zwift as well as on the bike. Check it out. Speaking of Zwift, really quick before we get to Nettie, we had a ton of interest in our pregnant slash postnatal Zwift ride. So Lauren and I are planning that as we speak and nailing down the details of when that's going to be. It will be probably because of our time zones. Um, ideal for an American or European listener, but we would definitely love to include Australia as well. So bear with us, we're figuring that out. Make sure you listen to the podcast, stay tuned. We will announce when we will be hosting this ride in the new year, come January, 2022. And thanks so much for all of your interest. Um, It's really exciting that there's people out there like Lauren and I, who are either going through pregnancy or have been pregnant and are coming back into the real world and want to ride Zwift. All right, let's dive into Gracie and Nettie's conversation. I hope you enjoy it. I definitely enjoyed listening to it. And thank you so much for listening to the Freewheeling Podcast.
1: Hi, cycling tips, freewheeling listeners. I'm here today with a very special guest. We're here with Annette Edmondson, or better known by her Aussie nickname Nettie Edmo. Um, she is she needs no introduction, but she's a three-time Olympian, a bronze medalist at the Olympics, uh, 16-time national champion in the elites, which is impressive. She's represented world uh, Australia at the world championships multiple times and won multiple world championships. Her palm areas goes on and on. I'll be here all day and ruin the podcast if I keep <laughs> relisting all of her results. So, hi Nettie, how are you? You've just retired. Um, let's chat about that.
2: Oh, thanks for the introduction.
1: <laughs> um, I am good.
2: I am super happy and almost relieved in a way. I think it's um it's been an amazing journey, and I've had so many wonderful experiences. But. I think to, I knew that the decision was coming up and I think to have finally gotten there (laughs) um, is is quite a relief and I'm really, really excited for the next phase.
1: Yeah, I I could really relate to how you're feeling. It was only a year that I've kind of gone through these emotions and for you, how many years, you know, were you thinking about when you would retire? Did you have it set in your calendar or or were you kind of basing it off feel? Um, I think I've always... Based
2: it off feel. Um, I think because I was thrown into the sport at 12 through a talent search program, I think I've never had the same passion as other people who have gotten into it by choice, I think. So it's been, I've like, there's obviously amazing moments and I've had some wonderful times, but I think because I'm doing it because I thought I would be good at it. Um, uh, I think I've always had in the back of my mind, like, is this what I want to do? And so, I've had periods where I've just been super motivated year after year. But I think after the 2016 Games, I, was, I took an indefinite break. It was a, ended up being about three months and I was just kind of finding my way to see if I wanted to, to find that motivation again and um, I did. And I came back and I had another cycle in me. But, um, and once again, I just kept playing it by year. And I think I wouldn't have done it if I didn't want to do it. But by the time the Games got postponed um, in 2020, four months before the Olympics, um, I think that was the moment that I realised I was done, and I think the the devastation by that that massive event being postponed and realising how much I had actually been counting down without realising, um, I think that's when it hit me. And I think that that was why it was so such an emotional time for me, um, because it meant that we had to rebuild that fitness all over again and um, go through all that pain and all that effort to try and get to that level of fitness. Um, so then, throughout, yeah, the COVID year postponement I it was it was quite nice in in a way because it took the pressure off and I was able to relax and and race well just train without racing again um and not I didn't have a lot of pressure from coaches I just had a bit of space and and actually could yeah find the the love and the freedom of riding a bike again um but yeah once once we started getting towards the Olympics I think I was in in my mind I thought I was done but I I didn't know I didn't want to put pressure on myself as well at the same time and so then once the Games was finished, I think, it, I, think I was kind of thinking like if, if I went well at the Games, then I think I would have been finished, but I, I didn't want to have that decision made already. And so then once it, once it was finished and I didn't quite get the results I wanted, I think I, um, I wanted to make that year and a half worth it and I wanted to race again. And um, the Track Champions League was a, an event that popped up for the first time and it was going to be a bit of fun. It was going to involve riders from all over the globe. And, and there wasn't going to be that type of intensity that the Olympics or the world champs bring. And so I thought that that would be the perfect opportunity just to, to have one last hurrah, have a bit of fun. It wasn't so much pressure, but um, yeah, there's obviously a lot of money up for grabs. So that was a nice incentive. Um, and yeah, just a chance to kind of be like accept that I was at the end and that I was going to make the most of those last training sessions and, the, the moments overseas with my competitors. And um yeah, I finally say goodbye to the sport.
1: Yeah, I've, I think that was a really wise decision, Eddie, to to have that little extra spark and a nice way to send have a send-off. And did you feel like it was you were saying goodbye? Like were you talking to people, your your rivals and your friends at those events? D- did you feel like they were kind of patting you on the back and all that nice stuff?
2: Yeah, I think it was we, we actually did a bit of, a, of like a video documentary series. And so we did a series of interviews and I'm not sure what's going to make the cut, but I remember at the very first one in Mallorca being asked about the goals in the next few months and I don't think I was ready to admit that I was going to be done. And so it was quite, even though in my heart I knew I was done, I didn't really want to say it out loud. And so then, but then as each race came about, I think I got more and more confident with that decision. And so by the end, by the time we got to London, yeah, the cat was out of the bag and um, everyone around me knew that I was finished and I had a few people coming up and, like you say, patting me on the back and, and congratulating me or just um, telling me to enjoy the last race. And, and then this, once that was finished, it was just so nice to be able to, to have a beer with Kirsten Wild, who also was retiring, and, um, and, with, and just share that moment with all those competitors that you normally don't really get a chance to, to smile with and, and laugh with.
1: Yeah, that would have been super nice. Um, And I'm sure it was more than just one (laughs) biennette. We won't tell anyone that. (laughs) Um, You've said that it was really difficult to transition that mentality when the Olympics were postponed. In hindsight, are you glad that you had that extra year or do you think that, you know, you would have been better off if it, it happened how it was supposed to happen with the Olympics being in 2020, not 21?
2: Yeah, um, I think given the way Australia performed at the Olympics on the track, I think, well, in particular our program and the endurance, um, I think we were in a better place a year before. Uh, I, I don't think our plan worked quite as well and um, I feel like that, the postponement didn't help that. Like we had so much racing in our legs, we were, we were race fit and then the postponement meant that Australians weren't able to, to get overseas and race because the government wouldn't allow us back into our country. Um, unless we did two weeks quarantine, which affects your training, so we chose not to race, and we thought that we'd do get enough in in training. Um, so I think that that it hampered our physical ability to get results, but at the same time, it it gave us space to, like I said before, just to have a yeah kind of throw back to the roots and, and rediscover that passion, and 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 also start to mentally prepare for the next steps, and and also if we aren't able to ride our bike what would we want to do? And, and just start to kind of open that mindset. And um, I think because I'd just been so intensely following the track and then the road season and the track, I hadn't really taken a step back and, and seen or well, thought about what to do next. Um, we do have the, the support at Cycling Australia. We do have a careers counsellor and uh, we have access to that, but I still just didn't really give it a, a real good thought until that postponement actually happened.
1: Well, well I'm, I'm keen to ask you, in a little bit about what's next but for now you wrote a few weeks after the olympics on an instagram post you know you you almost journaled your feelings about the whole process and especially the uh cycling australia kind of involvement in your process and the process of many of your peers and do you feel like you will ever publish that or you want to talk about that further in in the coming months
2: yeah it's interesting i I wrote it and i got it all off the chest and yeah, it it was four pages long and i can clearly remember that and i had a lot of passion and energy and i um i was thinking do i post it and i was like you know what it's done like the olympics is done and this isn't going to help anybody but potentially my opposition in a way um because they'll see what not to do or what i think they shouldn't do um but so i refrained from posting and i actually haven't read it again since but I'm interested to see what I wrote um, and how it came across, but um yeah, I don't know um, i haven't I haven't thought that far, but I just like yeah, I think we've had a lot of chats with Cycling Australia, and there's a big process moving forward, and um, yeah we, the the program wasn't satisfied with the results, so they're they're getting put under the pump and there's going to be some big changes made and and so I know that that's taken care of um, but i think it, it was just it was a nice process for me to go through and just get it off the chest and be, and and be able to move forward and and i think in doing that i mean it kind of obviously i was disappointed with the results but at the same time it made me realize that we are one team and we have one goal and we all put 100% effort into that but whether it works or it doesn't is yeah like it it is what it is and like we as athletes we are the ambassadors of our team and the team effort and we are the ones that get the amazing results and we get to stand on those podium with the medal but when it doesn't go well we also have to cop the other side and so I just think that I had to just put it all into perspective and, and think about the times that it did go well and how thankful I am for those moments and we do have such a powerful uh program at Cycling Australia we have amazing coaches and amazing athletes and I am so thankful to be part of that program and and to have had them pushing me throughout my whole career and I know that all the the positives would not have been possible without them so Unfortunately, we didn't get it right, and I didn't get the dream finish to my career, but it's life, and I don't think everyone can have the dream finish. There's only one winner at the end of the day, and um, obviously, with hindsight, a lot of teams would do things differently, but we weren't the best team on the day, and, and that's the harsh reality.
1: Yeah, I think that's really mature of you, Nettie, to, you know, have that cathartic journaling and, and writing that stuff down, but then realising that, you know, you're still part of that machine, and you're accountable as well, and yeah, I think that you're such an accomplished and experienced person. You'll be, if if you want to in the future, you'll be an asset to Cycling Australia and, and the track team if you ever want to be part of that um, process on the other side of the fence because you, you have learned a lot of lessons. And going on from that, would Would you like to stay in cycling in, in one way or another moving forward now? Uh, yes. I think it's, I remember being asked
2: a similar question back when I was, just a few years into the program and i was like nah nah i just i'll be gone and i'm gonna go do something else but i i have i do have that love and i do have that passion and now i see it from a different angle and i see that i do have lessons to share and i would love to give back to some of the youth um coming through and um not sure in what way yet i'm still exploring um i did a was part of a mentor program just last week with the ais so that was super nice just to get my foot in the door and have a bit of an experience in, in that realm. But at the moment, I'm still exploring opportunities through my network. Um, I have like a, an ambassador role with a cycling company next year. And I'm also looking at doing a bit of presenting with another cycling company. So that could be fun. Um, I have a couple of other ideas, but um, yeah, it's all it's all part of brainstorming and the nice thing is that it excites me and I'm, I'm sending out emails and I'm putting the feelers out and, and I'm excited to get on my computer and just check and see what's happening and see what, where the opportunities lie. And I'd just love to make the most of the network that I've got and the connections I've got for the next few years in cycling while they're still hot. <laughs> and um, after that, potentially I'll go to uni and study. I'm not sure, but right now I'm just going to make the most of being able to, to travel the world and, and try and tick some more personal goals.
1: Well, Nettie, knowing you as well as I do, I have, um, yeah, I I really believe that some good opportunities will come your way and you're a very capable, clever person. So I think anyone listening that doesn't know you very well, I think um, you're one of those people that are good at most things. So (laughs) I think you'll be fine. And it's kind of, (laughs) yeah, I'm excited for you to see what those opportunities are because, for females in sport and especially females in cycling, there's more and more opportunities now. And, you know, you can be marketable as a rider and then as a, an ex-rider, which is really cool that that's kind of a possibility now. So um, in terms of mentoring, um, you've already kind of mentored a lot of people on the way unofficially. And in your um, retirement blog post, you had this really nice paragraph about how you were not the um, quote perfect athlete and that you you really tried hard to stay true to yourself and I know that is true but can you explain that a little bit more
2: uh I think yeah I I think I said rough around the edges perhaps is the the quote you were talking about Um, yeah I am a bit wild and a bit um spontaneous and I think a lot of people frown upon that um in that I might be traveling the world and then I might when I'm at a river I might decide to jump off a a big rock into the water and or I might um yeah just do something a little bit crazy that's probably not beneficial to lying in your bed and recovering before you're training the next day so just like stuff like that or um I say I say what I think obviously I try and be respectful but I, I say what I think and um, if I'm not happy with something I will ask why and I think I, I ruffled some feathers even when I came into the program I remember ruffling the coach's feathers and he wasn't I think he wasn't used to people asking why but I just wanted to get an understanding of why we were doing these efforts and what's the benefit to me and then I can give 100% because I understand fully so um, yeah I just think I'm not yeah so some people even just recently before the world champs there's I posted a video on Instagram of me jumping out it sounds it sounds bad jumping out of a window into a pool, but the pool backed up to the building so it was actually a lot safer than a lot of the things I've done Um, and I had some comments back saying maybe you should take that off social media because it doesn't look professional or you should think about how it looks and I thought about taking it down and as with a lot of my posts that I've been told to take down and I thought you know what like I would do this if it wasn't on social media so why do I have to pretend to be someone I'm not and I would take that risk or I would I would I would yeah, just be spontaneous and, and enjoy life and, and have some fun. And if I was to take that down, I would just be, my post would be so boring. It would just be, here's a photo of me drinking coffee. Here's a photo of me on my bike. Like it adds, I think it adds, a, well, just it's a chance to show a little bit of personality. And I think the social media world, like that's an opportunity in itself. If you are yourself and you say what you want to say, then people, some people like that. And so, okay, yeah, there's a the handful of people that don't and, and want you to conform to, norms of society but I just think that if everybody is themselves then one they're going to be a lot more happy um and and like if if I'm not allowed to do that sort of stuff then like yeah I just I wouldn't I wouldn't be having fun and I like to have a bit of fun and and live and see the world so yeah but um yeah so then the second point was yeah that everybody's just going to be the same if we all don't if we all just get yeah do what we're told so I think that's what I was just trying to say. It's just like, you know what, if you've got a passion, go after it. If you've got a question, ask it and yeah, just live your life.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I really liked it anyway. And I think, you know, those words that you wrote really resonated with a lot of people. And it's probably a reminder to others too, to, you don't have to be this robotic perfect athlete to enjoy it. And I've certainly seen a lot of athletes in my time and, and riders that we've both raced with just be a little bit too serious and, that feeling that you have to, you know, hate it to be good and it's a, such an odd thing because none of us have to do sport. We're here because no. we want to do it and you got to have fun along yeah. the way, otherwise it's not worth it. And and you probably know more than anyone, you know, it doesn't matter if you get an Olympic medal or not, if you didn't enjoy the process then there was no point or meaning to that medal at all. So, Absolutely. And sometimes you don't get that medal and then it wouldn't have been worth it at all. So.
2: The frustrating thing, though, is that if you do the crazy stuff and then you get a good result, everyone forgives and they're like, oh, ha, 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 that was so funny, look what you did. But then if you do the crazy stuff and you don't get the result, all of a sudden everyone's like, you didn't take it seriously, you're not professional, blah, blah, blah. And so at the end of the day, there's there's going to be haters and you've just got to just kind of let that go and and be who you are and and just move on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. That's probably the best lesson out of all of that. Um, Another thing that you wrote in this blog was that the risk of crashing has also played a part in your decision and you're still struggling a little bit with some concussion symptoms that from a crash, you know, more than two or three years ago now, um, can we talk about some of those concussion um, symptoms and and feelings around that? Because I think a lot of information is coming out more now about concussion, but Mm -hmm. I think a lot of riders still need to talk about it because you need to normalise it.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is when I was writing that, that post, I, it actually is part of my decision to retire. But if I was thinking about going to the road but there are so many more riders out there and the risk of crashing is higher and it is in my mind when I'm coming into a bunch kick and you're with people who don't have any fear and who haven't experienced those crashes. So, yeah, that's why I included it um, because I... So the reason, the, the most shocking thing that hit me recently was in, at the end of last year, so around November, December 2020, um, our team went to Bright for a training camp. And I, when I got there, I was like, oh, my God, this is so nice. I've never been to Bright. This is such a great time. I'm excited. I'm loving these roads. These are great climbs. And then um, a week later, we were riding up Mount Hotham and the word, the, the town Bogong was close by and I remember thinking Bogong and I was like, where have I heard that before? And I was like, oh, Bogong moth. And I was like, there's a, there's a moth called Bogong moth. And I was like, why the hell do I know that? That's so random. Um, and so I remember saying it to the girls because you have a lot of time and you get to have time to talk about random stuff on these road rides. But um, it wasn't until we were riding back the other way that I rode past a little motel on the side of the road and I turned and looked and I was like, that looks a bit familiar. And then I saw the name and it was called the Bogong Moth. And it suddenly hit me that I had been to Bright before. And it was just this horrific, dark feeling that I had actually come here two years before. So end of 2018, I had come over for a, like a, a sponsor event with Clear Wipes. And I had I'd flown in pretty late like, in the afternoon and I'd driven up myself, which was three hours. So I think I got in in the dark. And because Bright was full I um the accommodation was full I stayed in the town over the hill and so when I got up at 6am because I had to start the race it was it was dark and foggy as I drove over the hill but I was in Bright and I started a race and I was there all afternoon waiting for all the riders to finish in and it was a bit of a grand fondo event and um had lunch in the in the restaurants and then I drove myself home at about midday and then when I got back into Bright that day when I was riding I just recognized every single restaurant and every spot that I'd been and it was such a haunting moment and I, I had hit my head in 2018 um, over, it was in the middle of the year in July and I was in France at a track race and an elimination and I'd clipped the wheel and I'd fallen quite high from the top of the track so I was about five wheels back overlapping a wheel and I'd fallen and hit the back of my head and I had repeated myself every 30 seconds for six hours, well, until I fell asleep. So I can't remember, There's, I have three flashbacks of, those, of that afternoon I can remember until an hour before the race and then it's all black. And then I woke up in the hospital the next day. And I think that I pushed it way too hard. I was, I'd I'd been literally, I'd literally been repeating myself every 30 seconds. Like my French soigneur was there with me and she was luckily translating because we were in France and she had to answer my question saying, uh, it was just like, what am I doing here? Why are we here at a track race? It's the middle of the season. And then I was like, what? I'm fine, guys. I'm fine. What are you crying about? And I was like, hang on, but why are we here? And they said, I just, on repeat for that entire time until I fell asleep so I'd obviously had a big knock and I went to hospital had a scan all that sort of stuff but the next day I was on on my own in the um in the hospital and I was on my phone and I was just like obviously super tired but they let me out at three o'clock I went straight to the track race that I was at to pick up our teammates I packed my bike I watched them finish their racing then we went to the airport And like, I just remember feeling so tired and all I wanted to do was sleep. And I just, I wish in hindsight that I just checked myself into an airport hotel and just slept for days. Like, honestly, that's all I should have done. But instead we checked in for a flight to Barcelona, which took two hours. We landed in Barcelona. We landed at probably 9pm and then we had to catch a two hour cab to Girona. And so I was in bed after midnight and I I think, yeah, I just pushed it so hard. And like, it took, I I spent a week or two in bed and I spent another three weeks trying to ride my bike and... Um, I started with five minutes a day without then to have to get off and have it like, cause I had a headache. And then I tried riding on the road and then like, I was super dizzy for so long. And like, I couldn't use music in whilst riding for three months because it was too overwhelming. Then I went back to racing too soon. Um, I remember being in a Peloton and feeling motion sickness and I ha- could, had to take my radio out because it was too much. And like, it's just like all of these things are just all huge symptoms. And I, I know in hindsight that I, I, I stuffed up and, I just wish that I had better support around me to tell me no. And I'm wondering whether that process was part of the reason why I have these blank spots in the rest of 2018. Um, And, yeah, so it's – I've hit my head a couple of times since and I definitely notice the kind of the headaches or the concussion stuff and I'm taking it a lot more seriously. But I don't think I can afford to have too many more big crashes like that um, now that I've had that one. So it's – it does – does play a part and i think that that's not the sort of thing you want to be thinking about in a big bunch finish um especially as a sprinter and because i was thinking oh i could do another year and i could be a lead out rider and i could give back and i could be a leader and all that sort of stuff but i just think it's it's still as risky being a lead out rider and i just i i want to put my future first as harsh as it sounds
1: yeah i can completely understand that and i think when you come to the end of your career you do start you know thinking, oh, what if I end my career on a, an awful crash and I've come this far and I've been relatively okay? And, and yeah, you're a really smart person too, so you want to use your brain in the future. Go, you might want to study or, or do something interesting for another career. So, yeah, I think that is completely reasonable that you have those fears. So if any writers are listening, what would advice would you give them if they've hit the head in a crash? I would say to take
2: it seriously. Um, your brain is so much more important than a bone. A bone can heal. Uh, that was also the frustrating part is you don't know when it's when you're better, and each concussion is different. So someone might have been fine after two weeks, and another one to, person might take months. Some people I've know have had to quit cycling because I couldn't ride again. So it's it's so important, and there are um, concussion baseline tests that you can do. Um, we have some with the AIS. So that's just online. You can just it checks your reaction time, your memory, all that sort of stuff. And then once you have that baseline, after you've had a crash, you can see where you're at. You can have a crack at that. And if you're a lot slower or you've got different results, then it says that you need more time. Um, Yeah, talk to the professionals Uh, if you if you're having these symptoms. Take them seriously. Um, And also uh, something that I've actually only just discovered in Girona, I have a she's a massage slash physio therapist but she's also happens to be a a cranial therapist so I've never heard of this before but what it is is they kind of massage your skull at the same frequency that the plates can move at so your skull's made up of different plates and they've all got these little kind of gaps in between to let your brain your skull flex so it doesn't crack um and she pretty much just massages those because once you once you hit your head apparently it can jar and they can kind of lock up in different spots which means that well this is how I think when you're coming back if you've got a tightness in your skull you're actually your face isn't actually quite level which means that your eyes aren't level so you're that's where I think you're getting your headaches because you're trying to readjust to this new new position um so I've actually been seeing her recently and she's been kind of like working on me to try and get the, the skull back into this normal position because she felt like my one eye socket was actually a little bit higher than the other and a little bit further forward. So I'm not sure if it's – some people are a little bit doubtful of, of the therapy, but I, I think it works and I noticed a big difference from it and it takes time because it, it also affects you. So once you've had the knock, when you go and see her, it kind of almost – it's repositioning so you experience similar symptoms. But um, I've also had some other friends that have gone through a similar phase just recently and um, they've seen her straight away, and, which is the best thing to do because then you can put it straight sooner than later. And the longer you leave it, the more stiff or the longer it takes to, put it, to realign it. But yeah, I don't know. That's just that's my opinion. I think if I had found out about this lady two years ago, then I would have definitely got on board. and. At the end of the day, I feel like we haven't got much to lose when it comes to that sort of situation, so I would definitely recommend looking into a cranial therapist.
1: Cool. I've never heard of that before, so that's an interesting tip. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We'll we'll do a little bit of a a turn back into the positive now, and I just want to ask you a couple more questions um, about your career. So I really want to know what are you most proud of? It doesn't necessarily have to be a result, but something that, yeah you're really proud of in your cycling career
2: oh it's actually yeah it's super tough um uh I think I've actually had some kind of hardships off the bike and especially through my teen years and I haven't opened up about them but I want to and I feel like to be able to get through some of those tough moments and then turn it around and, and put the energy into my bike and and succeed on a bike, I think, is what I'm most proud of. Um, I think the, the bike has taught me so many lessons and so many strategies to cope with pressure and um, hardships. And I think, that, I think that's the thing I'm most proud of. And I'm coming out the other end and I'm, I feel, yeah, I've, I'm ready. I'm ready for the next, for, for the next phase of life. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's the stuff that I've learned through the bike
1: to help benefit off the bike that has um, been the most special. Cool. Oh yeah. I love it. When people have an answer like that, it's, uh, it doesn't have to be a race win. I think it's how you conduct yourself and what you learn from cycling. That can be one of the most, you know, amazing things from the sport. So I'm really glad to hear that. You're a very strong person, Nettie. <laughs> um, do you know, <laughs> have you had much chance to think now, like you've only just finished your last race, but do you think there'll be much that you'll actually miss? Yeah.
2: So I it's like the, it was funny because people were like, how do you feel? How do you feel? And I was super relieved straight away. That was the most the, the most noticeable feeling and I was excited and happy. But then as soon as I got back to my hotel room that night, I did have this wave of sadness. And so it is, it's a little bit like a little bit of mourning, I guess, um, of of a chapter, but um yeah, and then I, I spoke to someone today and I heard that they might have a break and then try and make it to the next games. And a little part of me was like, oh, I'm a bit jealous because I think because I'm unsatisfied um, in that department, like there's just, I just really want that goal, you know? So it's just like, oh, would we have another shot? Would it, would it work? But um, so I think that I feel like those little moments will be the hard, hard things to deal with. Um, but I think at the same time, I've you, you make a decision for a reason. and. I'm not. I feel like the the sport's always shifting and it's always stepping up a level. And I think if you're not in the mindset to push and dig and hurt yourself to get those little one percenters, there's no point in being there. And it's also, yeah, you've got to want to be there. You're going to want to have passion, and especially in a team sport like track or team shooting, your energy rubs off. And I I did start to notice a little bit of negativity starting to creep in, especially just the last couple of months. And I'm like, and I think that that's what's made me realize that I am done. And I am ready, and it is time.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I can understand that. Um, and yeah, lastly, your partner Kellen O'Brien is, you know, going to continue as a cyclist. So will, will that mean that you'll be splitting your time between Australia and Europe, or will you stay in Europe, or have you? Are you just going to figure that out as you go along? Yeah, yeah. Um, as you can tell, I'm a bit of a yeah live in the moment kind of
2: gal. <laughs> But um, uh, the rough idea was to finish writing and then settle down in Adelaide and and start studying and go to uni 3k down the road from our little place. And um, then Kel decided to ride on the road in Europe. And I was kind of like, well, I haven't actually got anything tying me down in Australia. And we're still, okay, it's my 30th birthday in a week, but I still think I'm young. And um, I still have an opportunity to travel. And I was like, you know what, screw it, let's go. So I'm going to base myself in Oz for a few months over summer and then Europe for the rest of the time with Kel and I'm at the moment the the opportunities I'm looking at can be based anywhere in the world Um, there's a lot of online stuff there's a lot of travel and I think they're some of the main things that I love from the sport is the travel and the people you meet and the experiences and the craziness of adventure Um, so I want to keep that in my life for the next few years at least and um and then reassess but I'm excited to, to swap over and, and be a bit more supportive and, and um, almost teach him some of the things that I've learned and hope that he can kind of shortcut in those, some of those lessons and, um, yeah, see where he goes because he's super young, super motivated and he's ready.
1: Yeah, I think that's really nice that you can help him as well and, you know, you've, you've both been a lot through a lot together so it's nice to, you know, take a step back but still be involved in someone else's career and I'm sure that will be really satisfying. So. Yeah, I just wanted to say thanks, Nettie, for all your answers and your time today. I think, you know, in a few months' time you'll be able to look back and some of that grieving will start, you know, passing and you'll always probably feel like you've got a bit of unfinished business and that's kind of the the burden that we have to bear as elite athletes because we always wanted a bit more and I don't mm-hmm. think that you would have ever gotten it even if you got that gold medal. You always have that feeling. <laughs> so
2: it's a bit of a disease really isn't it just this hunger to
1: never be satisfied yeah and that's what makes us good yeah (laughs) so yeah just yeah look back on such an amazing career think you know results wise of course you've done incredibly well and Um, most people would kill for a career like that but the way that you've carried yourself and even just some of the things that you've said today you have so much more to be proud of than just your results and yeah like I said I'm really excited to see what comes next for Nettie Edmondson
2: oh thanks so much very kind
1: (laughs) all right good luck Nettie (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) bye